0: Football, baseball, basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334 844 9345 or Follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob.
1: And welcome into the scoreboard, ladies and gentlemen, on WEGL 91.1 FM. As always, I am Bay, Mark, sitting alongside my faithful co-host, Jacob Hillman, Thursday, February 20th, 2020, live from the WEGL studios, we're glad that you are joining us today. First of all Jacob before we get started how are you today? I think it's an easy question for everyone to answer. It's raining so I'm doing as well as I can and I just hope the rain will stop soon. You being a golfer you pay more attention to the weather than just about any other 20 year old. I'll tell you what. Male that I know. That's what that's when it started. When I started playing, playing golf. golf is when I started paying attention to the weather a lot because don't feel like being outside for four hours when it's 20 degrees and I'm not dressed appropriately, or if it rains on me, I don't want to deal with that. If it's raining, don't talk to Jacob. Yeah. But Besides that, you're okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. Besides that, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, nonetheless. But also, when Auburn goes in and loses to three and ten or two and ten Georgia, yeah. Ten. You took the words out of my mouth. We're gonna get right <laughs> into it with Auburn basketball <laughs> uh, after beating Alabama a week ago. Yes. First of all, apologies for not being on last week after that uh, Iron Bowl of basketball win. I'm um, um I, Bob, yes. Uh, but since then, Auburn defeated Alabama in basketball last week in an overtime thrower where Alabama hit an SEC record of three-pointers. Auburn goes on the road without Isaac Okoro last week. Last Saturday night on the road in Columbus, Missouri. Loses to the Missouri Tigers 85-73. to Austin Wiley having a huge night that night with 22 points and 10 rebounds, while Xavier Pinson uh, for Missouri had an exceptional night for the Tigers. Um, I mean, he did just about everything for them. Had 28 points, and nonetheless, Auburn loses by 12 uh, in a road game where road games aren't really Auburn's forte this season. And then, like you just mentioned, Jacob, last night you went on the road to Athens, Georgia, in a rivalry game where Auburn faced off against a two-and-10 SEC team, SEC team, and uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, and lost by 10 with Isaac Okoro dressed out on the bench. Yeah, we have. Uh, I think we figured out what the issue has been lately, and it's the bench. The bench has not shown up at all. Scoring nine points total in the last two games. Seven against Missourians, Danielle Purifoy with all seven. And then last night, I believe it was, it might have been Macklemore who scored two. And that might be wrong because I don't know if he scored two points. It was Devin Cambridge, my bad, who scored two points, I think, on the alley oop That cannot happen anymore, especially with Isaac Okoro out. Obviously, we saw two new guys in the lineup last night. Babatunde knocking ball a stretch and Jaron Williams yeah a little bit but he he came in the game which shocked everyone yeah Jalen Williams coming in the game shocked everyone and man he showed out yeah Jalen had a, he was I think Auburn was plus four with him on the floor I think he had mm-hmm. six rebounds he didn't score but his defense was so great and I remember some people like were saying that his defense was going to be this weakness but not at all so it, it's good to see some of those young guys get in the game especially when I mean Auburn was struggling horribly. So, got to see a little bit of the future last night, not in a win, unfortunately, in a 10-point loss, scoring only 55 points. But it's one of those things where if the bench picks it up and starts playing better, especially without a coro, then Auburn's going to be able to win games. But without a coro and without a bench, good luck. Well, it stings to say that Auburn has four losses on the season, all four coming in conference play. And two of those four losses coming to your two biggest rivals who both right now are projected to not make the NCAA tournament, uh, both being on the road. And something that really sticks out to me from these games, which has really been Auburn's kryptonite on the road this year as well, is shooting the basketball, and more specifically from behind the three-point line. Auburn at Missouri shot one of 17 from <laughs> three-point lane. I'll give you one guess what the percentage on that is. Uh, one for 17. I That at math. It's a single digit. I'll give you that. It's probably like... It's probably like- that's like 6 or 7? No. It's, it's 5.9. nine. Five golly. So that's Auburn at Missouri. 5.9 from behind the 3-point line. Auburn last night shot, I didn't. I don't even know how they made 4 of them, but 4 of 26 from behind the 3-point line. That's good for 15.4% uh, from behind the 3-point line. Only got to the charity strike 13 shots. Uh, shot 46 free throws at Missouri, which, I mean, you missed 16 of them. You shot 65% from the line. Not the best, but, I mean... That's a good chance to help you win that game, but I mean, 13 free throws on the road at Georgia is unacceptable as well. Um, and I think that's credit to the referees letting them play last night. Yeah, for sure. And I, the three point, going back to the three point shooting, it's one of those things where they want this is Bruce Pearl's style of play is you know running gun, shoot the ball a lot. But I think this team needs to adjust a little bit. I don't, I, and I don't know whose decision it is to keep launching three pointers. I mean, going four for 26, it just no, nah, one for 17. I mean, only shooting 17 three pointers is fine. We make one, but when you shoot 26, only making four, you, you can't do that. Yeah, One for 17 isn't good, though, either. I mean, it's not good, but at least they stopped at a point. Okay. I they they stopped saying. to a point. I see what you're saying. I think Sonny Smith said it best on the broadcast last night. I, I was watching the game, and then at halftime, I went to get Mexican food. And then on my way home, uh, the second half was starting, and I got back home after the first media timeout, but he said somebody on Auburn has to step up. Nobody's stepping up right now. Samir wasn't playing to his caliber last night. I mean, Javon had 22 points. I mean, for a moment, there, Javon was carrying the whole team. But you look at Samir's stat line. I mean, Samir only had 15 points, but those came late. And like I said, Javon had 22. Austin had 11. But then you look, it's like you said earlier, Daniel only had two. I mean, Allen started in place of Isaac last night. Allen, at the beginning of the game, did not play bad. No. He was highly aware of this, of what was going on. He made a contribution early, but he only had three points. Uh, with one one made shot and a free throw, and then like you said, uh, Devin Cambridge coming in off the bench only had two points, and that's very uncharacteristic of of Anthony Macklemore to play 18 minutes and have no points. I mean, he had four personal fouls, which you'll get probably about every night out of Anthony just because sure. of how hard he plays. But but I think it's important going into these. I think it's correct me if I'm wrong. Five SEC games left. Yeah, it should it should be Saturday. It might be. Yeah, it is Saturday next Saturday. Saturday after that, and then midweeks in between those. So. And it's a tough stretch. Tennessee, then you've got Ole Miss at home. You've got at Kentucky that, good Lord, you've got a Texas a team that's surging with a win over Alabama last night. And then you go to Tennessee, who it's hard to play on the road. Yes. I mean, Tennessee, and you have to remember, with Tennessee, there's kind of been this, this somewhat of a rivalry the past few years with, you All, know. Tennessee is Auburn's biggest basketball rival. Kentucky's up there. Nah, but exactly. Tennessee's up there as well. Yeah, Just because of what's happened in the past few Kentucky years. Kentucky is not going to consider Auburn the rival. Yes. Tennessee K- will consider Auburn a yeah. rival like Auburn does Tennessee. And Tennessee this year not at the caliber as to which they thought they would be as well. Um, but what I was going back to saying, I don't know if you could hear that. But something was playing in my headset. I, don't know I didn't really. hear that. Okay, good. I'm glad they got on there. I think it was this laptop next to me. But anyways, uh, the, the last five games of the year, correct. You have Tennessee at home. You have Ole Miss at home. You have Texas A&M at home. Remaining road games, you have... Tennessee, and then who's the other one? The other road games. Yes, it's Tennessee, Kentucky. Tennessee, Kentucky. That's right, Kentucky. So let's go out on a stretch and say Auburn loses at Rupp. Let's just say that the a stretch. I I don't think. I don't a think it's a chance, stretch. First of all, that, yeah. Auburn has it within <laughs> ten. Right now, I don't think Auburn is close. Let's say to that Al- game. Let's say Auburn finishes four and one in the SEC, thirteen and five in the SEC. Not bad at all. I think going 4-1 would be impressive from the yes. sophomore team. Yes, especially winning at Tennessee. That's not an easy place to win either, um, especially with the hungry Rick, Rick Barnes team. So, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like Sonny Smith said. Somebody's got to step up. I mean, Austin Wiley, he's he doing had his had three back. straight double-doubles and came, I think, a rebound one short. One rebound short, yeah. He was 11-9, and nine, but he's doing everything he can down low. The issue is they still don't know how to get the ball to them. No, and you saw that last night. Yes, yeah. They, they did. Georgia did really have their focus on that, but man, you have to figure out how to get the ball down low. Yeah, and it's been an issue all year long. They haven't figured it out. That Alex Houston said it on the extra point earlier this week. The issue with this team that I, that he has, and you know when when he said it, it, persuaded me to think this too. It's the same problems over and over. It's not like you get a new problem here no, and there. Is, yeah. Same problems all year long. And that, that, that's concerning for the tournament. I No, and that's that was something else I was going to say was it's not like it's one guy not producing for a few games and another guy not producing. It's It comes down to two things. Being away from home. Granted, they're 4-0 on a neutral site, but true road games are 4-4 and now. B the constant inconsistency on the offensive side of the ball. Defense, I'm not too worried mm-hmm. about. It's not as good as it was, so that's causing some concern for people. It's the offense, because when you have S- an SEC candidate for, uh, for most improved or SEC player of the year in Samir Dowdy, who can't shoot the ball on the road and can only play at home, and then you have Javon McCormick who, I mean, he's leading the SEC in assists-to-turnover ratio, but... His- the last two games have not been like that. I mean, he went two, in- two assists, four turnovers against Missouri, and two and five last that's night. That's what I'm saying. So. He... Him as well. I don't know. It it's gonna take a lot before the SEC tournament. It's. I think these are probably two of the best road games you could have. A tough environment in Kentucky to have some guys spurt on the scene, as well as at Tennessee. And then you've had a few guys that have fallen off. Like, I mean, Jamal Johnson. He wasn't. I mean, it, averaging double figures, but he was consistently coming in. And you know when the last time he made a field goal was? Mississippi State, Iowa State. It wasn't State. that long ago. Okay, but it feels like that long ago. <laughs> it does, yeah. So Iowa State was his last made field goal. Mm, he, he scored, uh, I think, against against Arkansas and whatever the game after that was, but it, they were free throws. The last time he made a field goal was Iowa State, which is insane. And don't get me wrong. having Devin Cambridge is the reason Auburn won against LSU. Devin Cambridge is a huge reason why Auburn won the South Carolina game. But not just for this season, but for next year as well. If you're Bruce Pearl, you need guys like him to come off the bench and be consistent, consistent because you're losing six guys after this year. Cambridge could be a starter at some point in his career. 100%. So 100%. If he doesn't pick it up, then he won't be a starter. I don't know if it's more so of the young guys kind of relying on the the senior heavy starters and Austin Wiley and Samir and Javon and Dan Jell to carry the workload and kind of just sit back and contribute a little bit or what, but... It's kind of scary coming going into March Madness. For I mean, sure. it actually almost calls for a first or second game kick out of the SEC tournament. I want to see Turbo. I want to see him in that Jamal spot. You know, he's a combo guard. I, before this past week, I would have disagreed, but I agree with you. I mean, it's just that Jamal is not providing anything off the bench. His defense is very slacking, and he's not scoring. That's the only reason he's in the game is because of his scoring ability, and he's not showing off that ability. Yeah. Why not put Turbo in? Somebody tweeted last night, they said, uh, I think it was Shooty Hoops Will said something about, I knew Jalen Williams stretch or Turbo would have a role down the end of the season. It turns out it's going to be Jalen Williams is what it looks like, especially with Isaac being out, but I agree. I think it's important to get Turbo in. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to use him next year. You need stretch now as well. I don't know. There's a lot of different things that need or should happen uh, before the end of this regular season. I mean, I think it's just important to... To be, you need to beat Tennessee on the road if you're on if you're Auburn. Yeah, because great really, way to end the regular you season. You can afford the loss to Kentucky. Now you don't want it to be like last year when you lose by twenty seven. No, but you're probably gonna lose by fifteen. Yeah, get that Tennessee game on the road. That's gonna be great confidence going to the SEC tournament and obviously into the NCAA tournament. This team feels different with Isaac on the floor. It really does, and I don't think he would have made the difference against Missouri. He might not have made the difference last night. But I don't know. I think he definitely would have made the difference. I don't think Auburn would have won both of those games with him. I think they would have lost at least one of those. I agree. I think Missouri was probably a sure a sure loss. Last night could have been different. Scored only fifty five points. That that does make a difference, just having your best player out. On the other side of the break, folks, is the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman, where you're going to talk some NBA action after All-Star Weekend. The NBA gets kicked back up today. Don't go anywhere. Back into the scoreboard here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks on this rainy Thursday afternoon. It's starting to get cold, and the NBA is back tonight after the All-Star break, and we probably got one of the best All-Star games ever. Definitely one of the best endings ever yeah i th- I think the I don't I, know how it' feel about the new format the first three quarters they they were typical i think i think it felt like there were more three shots than usual yeah. I feel like there's more dunks than in the throughout the game than there were in the first three quarters but it is to be expected it was not a lot of defense until the final quarter and it didn't sound like you were too you, you didn't love the format well at first, I was skeptical about it I think I, everyone was yeah but I don't know. I like it. I loved it. I like it. I just don't know if I want that. Like, it obviously won't be an every-year thing. Like, After you know a few years, they'll change it to something else because they have to keep everybody entertained. The ending, though, I think is what made everything worth it. I do think there is a potential that they keep it forever because, I mean, how often do you get to see the best players in the world go at each other like that? Very rarely. So I think that was what was so exciting. And I do think the very end of the game was ballet when LeBron just pulls up from 40 feet. And, whatever. and they were going so Team LeBron kept going for the dagger three. James Harden literally passed up the layup to win, to pass out. And I, I don't know if that was him trying to do the entertainment factor or or what. But Wait, I, I just didn't Was it Joel that tweeted you shouldn't win on a free throw? Uh I'm not sure who tweeted that, but if that's that was a lot of people's feelings. But I agree. I think that takes away from the entertainment value of the game. Yeah, I agree with that. Like a dagger three, that would be... It'd be cool. Yeah. I don't know. it I was is was cool it, though. It's funny because there were like no fouls until that hat. Like yeah. there were because Kyle Lowry took like three charges in the fourth quarter. I'm gonna say what you said was funny about Kyle Lowry. Kyle <laughs> yeah, Lowry had like zero points and three, three, uh, three charges. But it was funny what he scored. It was funny what Giannis said after the game. They asked him about his strategy, and he was he was like, "We were just trying to get the ball to whoever James Harden was guarding." Like that was really that's yeah, funny. That was funny. Uh, no, but overall, I think it was a success. All Star Weekend was a success. I mean, you had Bam Adebayo win the Skills Challenge. Uh, you had Buddy Healed win the three-point challenge, and then you had yet another Aaron Gordon controversial dunk contest. His third of his career, second one he probably should have won. Uh, but He not should to, never do another one. But not to take away from the winner. Yeah, he's not going to. He, he said should. he's officially done. Like, you know, I I feel for the guy. I mean, the first one to get Zach Levine that he should have won, like that definitely could have gone both ways. I would say like, Levine. Levine did a yeah. great job. What, what was the name of the guy from Miami that won it this year? Uh, was it Derek Jones Jr.? Derrick Jones Jr. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh He did good this year as well, too. But I feel like he did a lot of through-the-leg left. Gordon really just brought the house The creativity of Aaron Gordon's dunks is what really should have won him that. But uh, (laughs) do you blame Dwayne (laughs) Dwayne Wade or the other nines? Well, I don't know. There was something uh, one of the judges came out about. They were going to send it to another dunk-off. But uh, nonetheless, he lost. But overall, it was a good weekend. And if you didn't watch the game, uh, Team LeBron wore... Uh, number twos on their jersey for Gigi Bryant, as well as Team Giannis wore 24s for Kobe Bryant, and Kawhi Lowry drops 30 points and is named the first ever Kobe Bryant uh, NBA All Star MVP. MVP. That's a mouthful, but yeah, yeah, it was a great move by the NBA to rename the All Star MVP after Kobe Bryant. It just felt right, and uh, what a super gesture by Adam Silver. So, yeah, I, I think the the big thing about Kawhi was just. How he came out firing, and he, yeah. he, it's like he scored at the beginning and he scored at the end of the game, and he, he definitely deserved the MVP award. I mean, I think some people would argue, man, who do other people argue? I forget who they argue. I think Chris Ball. like some people, Chris say Ball had twenty three points, and he plus thirteen. I don't know. It, it it was a it was a fun game. I thought it was cool the way they did the charities. I mean, obviously there was the jokes that was saying that Nick Nurse and his. Uh, his decisions down the stretch cost <laughs> Team Giannis a dollars or I guess $200,000, because they tied in the third quarter. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Also, the court storming was cool. I was just wondering who's going to pay the fine for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely think that Kawhi was the most deserving. There was other guys that put up a bunch of numbers that you could argued, but um, one of my favorite videos from this weekend was, I think on Team LeBron, somebody... Somebody did something towards the end of the game that was good for Team LeBron, and uh, Joel Embiid was down by Ben Simmons on his bench. (laughs) Ben Simmons smacked him on the backside, and Joel turned around, and his quote was like, I was ready to throw hands, but it was my boy. I realized it was my boy, and he didn't do anything. Uh, Oh, man. Overall, All-Star Weekend was was absolutely incredible. I loved it. It was fun. So let's take a look at the second half of the NBA season, specifically the NBA standings, and just kind of in general. Who do we think is going to... Really step it up in the second half of the season, or who's gonna maybe fall apart and fall out of playoff contention, or or what? The East is kind of scary to look at. I mean, because I don't really know what to say about them. The, the East West. is scary because the A C currently has a twenty four and thirty one record. Yeah, exactly. And then the I mean, after Indiana kind of falls off. Yeah, the West is a little bit intriguing. We'll start with the East. Start with the East. I mean, we'll start at the top where it actually is kind of. What is there a specific team you think might just drop off? Out of the top few teams? top five. Philadelphia. Okay. I really think Miami Miami's got that four spot locked up come the end of the season. I don't know if it'll be the Celtics or the Raptors in the two and three spot, but it really doesn't matter. Milwaukee will win. Nobody's going to take that spot for Milwaukee. The reason I say Philadelphia is there's been some questions around them the past few weeks. Um they'll still make the playoffs. They're not going to drop out of the playoff mm-hmm. picture, but well, it's not in the east, yeah. Yeah. Be, being in the top 5, uh they won't they might not be there. Uh Philadelphia or not Philadelphia, I'm sorry. Indianapolis uh or not Indianapolis. Gosh, Indiana, the Indiana Pacers, <laughs> um you know, they just got all depot back. Not looking too bad. They could probably take over that 5 spot, but if I had to pick somebody to drop, that's probably who it would be. Yeah, I want to try to be different, but I'm not because it's obvious. It's the 76ers. They're a terrible road team, and that that is the big thing. I mean, if you, if there's another team you might look at, it is the Heat. I think they have the best home record in the NBA. The Heat? No, the, the 76ers, 76ers are yeah, 25 22. and two. Nuts. So I I do think it's kind of obvious that it's the 76ers, and there's really no one else. And you're right; like they're not going to drop out the playoffs right now. They would have to go on a crazy bad streak, and like two teams would have to pick it up that are outside the playoff picture. Can I ask you a question? What's that? Is Brooklyn a lock for the playoffs with Kyrie being hurt again? Ooh. I don't know. They're flirting with with being eliminated. I don't think they're a lock anymore then. They're oh. only five games ahead of the Wizards, and, I mean, it feels like... And Okay, getting ahead of myself. The next question I was going to ask is, is there a team outside, the, outside looking in that might make a push? I would say the Pools maybe i mean there's no reason they're not good but the rest of the east is so bad yeah. that you never know i i think washington or chicago one of those two teams can make a push i would say charlotte but hey what? i think they i think they still have another year or two before they make it look out for the hawks no don't only look nine games them. back don't look out for the hawks are 15 and 41 who are you trying to kid myself um, i would definitely say the east after indiana is kind of Kind of messy, Disgusting. but... Disgusting. One through six is pretty much a lot. We can go ahead and say that. Because yeah. Indiana's not going to drop off anyway. Let's look at some more intriguing stuff. The Western Conference. Anyone going to collapse out of the top five? Top five collapsings. Maybe Houston. Yeah. I've been reading some stuff lately about how don't don't lean on them. They, they played some shaky basketball to start the year. I think that was an adjustment from Russell Westbrook being there with James Harden. Um... I don't know, man. I they'll make the playoffs, but not being a top five lock. Yeah, because obviously you have the LA teams and Denver, and then the Jazz are up there. It, it feels like the Jazz are the team that's really starting to step up. It might just come out of nowhere, like like a steal spot. I mean, they're only two game. They're only two games back of the Nuggets in the second seed. I don't think. I think the Clippers will end up at the two. Yes, I think the the conference finals is going to be Lakers Clippers, which doesn't which. Either way, that's going to be a Lakers home game. I mean, right now, do you think there is a chance... What's the fourth team you think is going to win the NBA Finals? I think the obvious three are Milwaukee, Lakers, and Clippers. What's that fourth team? I'd say Boston. Boston? Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say Toronto. I know they still have Siakam and, and company, but I think Boston with Stewart and Tatum and Brown and everybody they got over there, Marcus Smart... I think I think that they're probably the fourth favorite team to win it. I'd probably put Boston at my fifth team with the Raptors. Right Raptors fourth, yeah. Raptors are close close there though. Um, but you also have to look at the West right now. The West is a lot more competitive than the East. Oh my lord, a, a lot, lot more competitive. It's not as trash as the East. Yes. I mean, yeah, the Warriors and the Timberwolves, and I guess the Kings are pretty bad. The Suns can kind of surprise teams, and look out for the Pelicans. Yeah, especially with Zion being back. Yeah, every team that's out of the playoffs in the East, you would consider like. Obvious lottery team, which, and then the the last few teams in the West are too. But like you knew before the season, these teams in the East are going to be bad. Whereas the Warriors you didn't think would be this bad, the Timberwolves you didn't think would be this bad, and the Kings you didn't think would be this bad. I think the big question right now, I think we're both going to get the same answer: who gets that eight spot in the Western Conference? Has to be the Grizzlies. Grizzlies, yeah. I mean, John Morant and Dylan (laughs) Brooks are. Ja Morant is, without a doubt, the frontrunner for Rookie of the Year, and it's not even close. People, I think no, Zion's going to get a lot of hot love. I was going to say, there's an NBA poll out right now where Jaw has like 89, or it might be 81, percent of the Rookie of the Year vote, and then Zion has the other 11 or 19 remaining percent, which is kind of crazy because Zion's played like 10 games. Yeah, he, it's funny because I remember the first game I watched of him, You know, he made those four three-pointers. Yes. He hasn't made three since. Yeah, and he's averaging twenty-two points a game. Mm-hmm. He's he's making he's doing what he did at Duke, which kind of surprised me. Down low. I thought for him to take the next step, he was gonna have to find a three-point shot. But I mean, it doesn't look like that so far. Yeah, it looks like if he can just he sometimes he'll randomly get that three-point spurt, but he has not found that yet. So I think for him to win rookie of the year, he has to find a three-point shot consistently, and I mean, continue doing what he's been doing. I don't know. I mean. I think it's a lock for Ja, but you never know. Obviously, my thing also with Zion is, I agree with you. I thought going into the NBA he'd have to develop a a shot, and you know he does have a shot, but he's not gonna, he's not a consistent three point shooter. Mm-hmm. But also you got to think about it this way: if he plays down low, he's only six seven, but he also weighs almost three hundred pounds. I was gonna pounds. say dude, linebacker. So I don't know. I just think that's why he's been so dominant down low. But honestly, I th- going back to the original question. Memphis gets that eight spot because of John Morant and Jaron Jackson, Jackson Jr. gonna yeah, Brooks MSN. next. Their, their last two draft picks have been pretty Crazy. solid, if you ask me. Yeah. And Dylan Brooks was three drafts to go in the second round. Obviously they got rid of <laughs> Igodala. That that whole saga was they they I think they got away with one. I thought that was gonna be a lot of drama. That yeah. was gonna really I think they kinda of defuse the situation. They got rid of well. him and yeah, he's gone, so and which, look out for him in Miami. That's why I think Miami's going to be such a lock for that four spots because they have that veteranship in him. they got Drake Crowder, too. Yeah, they do have Drake Jay Crowder, who's been with every NBA team. <laughs> and he has, like, ten teams in the past three years. Um, I think the West Con- Western Conference can be really interesting. Just because you've also, I mean, Trailblazers, what if Damien comes back from his injury and falls out when goes for an MVP? What if Zion goes for that Rookie of the Year and carries the Pelicans close to the eight seed? Because five games out is nothing. No. And also, Spurs. a lot of these teams are trending down right now. I mean, the Spurs are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. The Suns are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. All right, here, here. since we say that Memphis is a lock, here's a trickier question. Can they get to the 6th seed? Can they overtake the Mavericks and or the Thunder? Do you think they'll get to a 6th or 7th seed? It's possible, but I don't think so, just because the Rockets are going to bump down a little bit and they'll keep them kind of in the 7 or 8 spot. Okay. So, they make the playoffs, but they'll be knocked out after the first round against one of the L.A. teams or Denver, which the Western Conference Finals, when it comes down to the Clippers and the Lakers, will be a home game for the Lakers. Because um, everybody knows that town's 80% gold and purple. Yeah. And then 20%. Well, especially this year, especially, it's going to be really crazy whenever they make the playoffs. So, yeah. <sighs> well, that's a go a little bit of NBA talking. Tonight is when it really gets going. I mean, let's see. Let's, let's, look, let's look at the schedule before we go to break. Heat Hawks, Bucks, Pistons, Hornets Bulls, Net 76ers, Grizzlies Kings, Rockets Warriors, and catch all the action tonight starting at 630 with the Heat and Hawks. On the other side of the break, this is going to be interesting. The Bachelor. A little Auburn connection, so we're going to talk about it. On the scoreboard here on Wiggle 91.1 FM. <laughs> Welcome back into the scoreboard here on WGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming to me and Jacob Hillman live on com. this is the scoreboard. Live Thursday afternoon, bottom half of the hour. If you want to call and be a part of the show, 334 844 9345. 334 844 Weagle. This is a sports talk show. This pertains to sports. We're yeah. going to talk about The Bachelor <laughs> this past week. You know, sometimes it's good to get away from sports and talk about something else that we enjoy. So, do we really enjoy The Bachelor? <laughs> You know, the phrasing to, right there was not good <laughs> to, to keep my man card. I'll say I'm, I'm I only watch it because of my girlfriend. That is the only reason I'll say I watch it. I support this is the first season I've watched. Same, I like my little brother. Wa- Sorry, Riley, but my little brother watches it. Just call him out, Riley. Just call him out like that. Well, it's because of his girlfriend. Okay, well. Jillian, Jillian wants him to watch Bachelor with him. But regardless, he watches the Bachelor, and I've always been like, No, why are you watching it? You know, you're not manly, but you know what? Because there's an Auburn girl. I decided to, to to watch it. I'll support Auburn's own Madison Pruitt. So that is why we're talking about The Bachelor today. Madison Pruitt graduated from Auburn University with the degree that I am pursuing in communication. Uh, she still resides in Auburn. Uh, she's 23 years old, and she is one of the final contestants so far on The Bachelor. The Bachelor's already done filming. Another Final Four for Auburn. Yes, another Final Four for Auburn in the past year. Uh, the Bachelor's already done filming, but the show is still going on. And... uh Regardless where this is going, if you're about to turn off your radio, don't. Um, <laughs> Bruce Pearl welcomed her and the bachelor, Peter, Peter Weber, they call yeah. him Pilot Pete, Pete Weber, into Auburn Arena uh, for her hometown visit. So the way it works, if you make the final four uh, women uh, on the show, you get what's called a hometown visit. And uh, you take the bachelor to your hometown, introduce him to your family, show him where you grew up, and uh, really kind of kind of comes down to a um, – uh, your beliefs and morals is why you go. But regardless, the point being, they came to Auburn Arena. Uh, Charles Barkley was on the jumbotron, which is kind of sad because he didn't know who Chuck was. And happy uh, yeah, uh, birthday, Charles Barkley. Yeah, that is true. That's a good point. Lost respect for Pete whenever he did that. I already had lost respect throughout the season. But I know why. Yeah, there, I man, we should have had a recap earlier in this semester because I could get fired up about him and a <laughs> But anyway, don't, don't. Anyway, yeah, he and didn't Victoria. know who Charles Barkley was, and oh, man, that's still going on.
0: You, you know what? We'll
1: stop, let's we'll, not talk about it. We'll get to it in a minute. Okay. We'll get to it in a minute. Okay. But stick to the Auburn connection. And yeah, Charles Barkley was on the Jumbo trying He asked who it was. And I was like, really, dude? Then Bruce Pearl came out. And that's what the big thing is. He is the best recruiter in the country. I, there are millions of people that saw Auburn basketball on their TVs the other night. And obviously, he came out and they did it. Granted, they, a lot of them were women. Yeah, they Yes. But they, but they did the dribbling drills and... I mean, Pete's not athletic at all. I've done some of those drills before in basketball practice from head coach Chris Latch at Helena when he was there, when I was there, and those aren't easy. But, I mean, it does take Madison a lot Madison made them look easy. Madison was deep in high school. She's got handles. Yes. Um. <laughs> there was that article where she lost, they lost the state 15 championship. 15-2. What uh, in the world? Because they dribbled the clock out. What I, in the world? I don't know, but... Uh, Anyways, if you didn't see it, point being, like Jacob said, they did dribbling drills, they got their own Auburn jerseys, which, shame on you, Pete, for ruining Anthony Macklemore's jersey like that. You know that. Why it was? It's the 24th season of The Bachelor. Really? Yeah. What? That, she was wearing number two? One. That's, that's what she, was she wore wearing in Jared high school. Harper. Okay. Yeah, that's what she wore in high school. He was wearing The Bachelor season, and she was wearing her high school number. Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I still, I still don't like it. No. I still uh, don't like I it. I don't like the fact that they were very... Comfortable with each other on the logo as well. So going into Auburn Arena Saturday morning, I will not look at the logo the same. It's true. If you didn't see the show, they they canoodled. They, they, yeah, they were on. They were at center court. I guess. The, I guess the scores table wasn't roomy enough. I guess not. But Auburn Arena was looking nice and clean. And you know the the but like you said, that, Auburn was just across America's TV sets. Uh, Monday night or whatever night it was. So uh, a lot of exposure for her. And then Chad Pruitt, Director of Basketball Operations for Auburn's men's basketball team. That, that's her father. That's her father. <laughs> yeah, that's why this is so. Rel- that's why they know Bruce Pearl um, is the Director of Men's Basketball Operations. And they went to... I heard a rumor it wasn't it's, their house. It's Bruce's it's house. Bruce's house. Yeah. yeah. And I tried telling Jordan that. She kept saying, there's no way that's Bruce Pearl's house. And I was like, that's literally Bruce Pearl's house. Um, and met her father and this, that, and the other. Um but overall it was cool to see Auburn uh on the bachelor. Now I'm gonna get into the drama. Okay. <laughs> most of the We fathers, never we never do this, but let's let's Most of the fathers did not like Pete. And I mean I I don't either. He he's kind of an idiot. <laughs> he may be a pilot, but he is so dumb. He's dumb. Oh, hold on. All right. Let you mentioned the pilot thing. I think it was uh, I think it was Jacob Varner who made the tweet about the airplane. Hit? Yeah, he would say, That's <laughs> if you walk in the Coleman Coliseum, you'd be wondering how many 747s can I park in this thing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. P. All season long, some of the decisions he's made. Yeah, he plays innocent. Yeah, he does, and a lot of the things is like oh, I haven't talked to you, so I'm going to give you another chance. Yeah. Whereas, like, right, going back to the Alea thing, is when she came back and didn't talk to it, because they, they played that football game earlier in the day. At the Cleveland Browns he, Stadium, which was cool. Exactly. Yeah. And he's supposed to have the one-on-ones with them and talk to them and uh, do whatever. But then Alea came back and took all that time away. Yeah. And all the girls were ticked off because they got no time with everybody. It was also the girl like, who got p- taken off the show the week before came back and got all the time. It's like McKenna at the Rose Ceremony. Uh uh what was the, the other girl's name that asked for more time was it tammy tammy yeah tammy asked for more time and then mckenna asked for more time and all the girls were like well what are you doing and then it's funny because the next week they both got asked to come back and talk to him he let tammy go and then at the rest of the ceremony he let mckenna go and i knew that was gonna happen um but yeah i agree i think he really plays victim in this whole thing and i don't know i also have no earthly idea why he let Victoria F. stay after more, meeting the family. Exactly. I mean, more. He went poor. What's her that, name? That's yet? obviously um, this week. It, it was uh, Kelsey. Kelsey, that's right. So he went to Iowa to visit Kelsey's family. They, it looked like they had a good time. Nice time. They said he, she never brings a guy home, hasn't had a guy home in two years. I haven't been a fan of Kelsey throughout the season, but she was bearable Monday. Right, right. I could deal yeah. with yeah. her Monday. Yeah. Well, he goes to Virginia Beach to visit Victoria F. And family. Hannah Ann's family. That was in Tennessee, Knoxville. Hannah yeah. Ann, that was also. She a, was fine. That was fine. Madison yeah. was fine. Yeah. yeah. But when went to Virginia Beach, he he obviously talked to the girl. Like some of you might not have watched it. Some of you did. But if you haven't watched it, he talked to one of his exes who is friends with Victoria F. And she basically, you know, told her told Pete, he's like I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to make the same mistake." She ruins other relationships. Homewrecker. Yes. And when Pete shows up to her house later that evening, they sit on the front porch before meeting her family. Yeah, they they have not walked in the house. They're on the front porch and. He basically tells Victoria F what his ex told him. And this is where I think she realized she was in the wrong. And she tries to act like, Oh, you're gonna come here and accuse me of it? He's no, I, I just I'm telling you what someone told me. I want I want your side of the story. And she gets all mad and She takes like seven different left turns and exactly. Her emotion's just a roller coaster and she gets mad and, and it's, then it, it's clear that what Pete was told was probably correct. Yeah, so, yeah, that's ex- that's what I'm thinking. So, anyways, and... He doesn't even go inside. He doesn't, doesn't meet the family at all. And he leaves. Yeah. He leaves. He drives away. He leaves the rose, or the flowers just sitting in the flower bed. And, yep. And gets the rose ceremony. And I don't know what went through his mind to decide to give Victoria F. the rose. When you didn't even meet I, her, her family, I, you, this is the one chance you had I'm not meet her family before you had to... I don't know. You see, I'm not a betting man, but if I was... Okay, it's not even close. It's Hannah Ann and Madison. No, I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm saying I'm betting it wasn't his choice. Producers. Because he... Honestly, he probably has his mind made up. He's probably just trying to trickle a few people out so he, they probably know That's who fair. the final people are. Probably just like, doesn't matter who stays because they're both going to go. Well, yeah, that is my thing. I think it's I think it's Hannah Ann or Madison. Madison. between. Yeah. It's not so, Victoria. Why would you... Mm, it, that makes me really mad. It's really bad that they... You're right. I think it does have to do with a lot of the producers. They got to have some drama in that episode, so that that was what it was. And the fact she's really not in contention, at least in our minds. I mean, who knows? I mean, we just call Pete an idiot, so he, he she might be in contention in his mind. Oh, you, you want to hear something hilarious? I watched it at Jordan's house Monday night, and she lives with all girls, so it was there were all girls and a few guys there. And one of her roommates said, uh, "You remember how at Virginia Beach, Hunter Hayes, a country music star, came on stage and sang the song." I don't want easy, I want crazy. Oh. And he ended up picking her. Wow. How cliche that was. Is that, you just had your mind blown. Is that not the most, like... And that was her ex, right? That guy? No, Chase Rice. No, okay, another country that. music You're center, right about but that. Yeah. You're right about that. And that is crazy. Man, this show's too deep. I, it's ugh. too deep in my mind. But I don't know. I, I probably I, won't watch after this. Season. I'm at the point where because... <laughs> because... I don't like Pete. I don't want him to pick Madison. I want Madison to be the bachelorette next. I will watch the bachelorette if she's bachelorette. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I will, too. If she's the bachelorette, I'll watch it. Um, I don't know. After the preview at the end of this last episode of what's going to happen next week, pretty much Madison has to be like 100% sure that her values align with Pete's, and there's a big question at hand. I think she's going to leave on her own. I've heard a lot of different rumors. I'm not saying that's I'm what's going to happen. Not, I'm not saying that as, no, I, no, I I've saying heard, as a theory. I've heard different conflicting rumors with, with how, I mean, I've heard that she walks out on her own. I've heard she makes all the way. I've heard she doesn't make it all the way. I mean, I've I've heard different things. So I don't know. Nobody knows. This is like I've heard this is like one of the first times in forever that nobody knows. Yeah. So um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. And I agree. If she's the Bachelorette, I'll watch it. But if she's not the Bachelorette, then, you know, have fun ABC. But I won't be watching I'll be watching okay. the match it right? if it's her. If it's her, yeah, Auburn girl. I can't. I can't say. I promise I'll be watching it if it's anyone else. I like the degree she got from Auburn. I mean, hey, it's my degree. You can. You can end up on. Well, never mind. I'm not gonna say that. But come on now, on a TV. Come show. on, you're killing on me. a different TV show. On the other side of the break, we will close out the scoreboard this week with some Auburn baseball off to a hot five and zero start at Plainsman Park this weekend and during the midweek yesterday. Don't go anywhere. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. And we're back on the scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm Bay Mark, sitting alongside Jacob Hillman, last segment of the hour of the week, live from the WEGL studios. If you want to call in and have the discussion of Auburn baseball, feel free, 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. Auburn baseball, Jacob Hillman off to a perfect 5-0 and start at Plainsman Park. This weekend has scored 61 runs and 62 strikeouts, which are both... Uh, Pretty daggum impressive in five games. Yeah, I mean, what did they, they, so let's see, five games times, well, not nine. It's like 40, 43 innings because they run rules sh- Illinois-Chicago because they had to go catch a flight on Sunday. Yeah, pretty good start if you ask me. Yeah, averaging over te- 10, no, 11, no. 12. Averaging over 12 runs a game. Yeah. Math is not our strong suit. Well, I'm a Cola major.
0: <laughs> As uh, I
1: am. As am I. Pitching looks strong. Defense looks strong. The bats are hot. Ryan Bliss looking good. Judd Ward got robbed of SEC Co-Player of the Week. But we're not going to talk about it. Well, he did go it's five after the cycle. But it's a cycle. First know, one I since that. how long? 2005? 15 years? Thomas. I mean... That deserves some kind of recognition. I think that's fair. He did get—I forget what it was. It might be a Golden Spikes Award watch list. He or it was a, or like a recognition. Week of the Player of the Week. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's re- regardless. It's probably because of what happened over during the all Miss Louisville series, which that was crazy. The ending of that mm. was cool. If you haven't seen that, so um, I'll let you speak about it first because I mean I was unable to go to the games this weekend uh, due to personal conflicts. Uh, I will be making my Plainsman debut this weekend, though, for the series against UCF, uh, one of Auburn's best non-con opponents. But give me your personal analysis so far of what you saw at Hitchcock Field this weekend. A lot of what I expected, and the offense impressed me. Pitching, we know, it's going to be really good. I mean, it's kind of crazy. The, the worst pitching performance was Tanner because he gave up the two-run home run. And that's the only negative that he had against him, in my opinion. Other than that, every starter did well. They struck out a lot of batters. They didn't give up a ton of hits or a ton of walks. The relief uh, pitchers don't really have a good – we can't gauge them yet. We'll, we'll, I think we'll see this weekend against UCF. It's a much better team. Auburn went to Orlando last year, went 2-1 and one in the series against them. This year will be one of those weeks where you want to see the relievers and see what the bullpen looks like. And offensively – I guess I'll stick defensively. What we saw in the infield, a lot of different moves, so – we have so many different combinations we can have. Connor Davis is at first base. I think that's pretty that's set in stone. And Rankin at third. Rankin at third. I wouldn't say that's necessarily set in stone as much as Connor is because of what Brody Moore can do and what Garrett Farquhar can do with his bat. Hoover native. Yes, and he transferred in from Wall State this past year. He is such a good hitter. His fielding is not perfect. I think it's something that can improve throughout the year so. I think that you have to keep him in the lineup. You got to keep him at second base so he can keep improving and really figure it out. And You got to let him have the bat. And then Ryan Bliss is obviously a shortstop. Because he was at second last year and Will Holland went to the Twins this past year. Ryan Bliss wants to be in the lineup every single day this year. That's what he said. Yeah, That is what's... I think that needs to happen. He is probably Auburn's most dynamic player. I think I've read that off to you before the show. He is one of two players in college baseball that's top 10 in hits, runs, RBIs, and doubles. So he is that guy that you really need hitting second in the lineup, right behind Jeff Ward. It's a, it's a great setup. Yeah. Brody Moore, he's improved his hitting this year. Yeah. He, we knew his defense was good last year. Not the biggest guy on the field, exactly. but definitely one of the highest baseball IQs on he the field. He's the ultimate utility guy. 100%. Now, where it gets tricky is with the DH and stuff. So if you put Brody at second base and take Farquhar out, you're putting him at DH. Yeah. But you got other guys. Tyler Miller, you got John Sicoli. John Samuel Shanker. All those guys. But we need to talk about that, too. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. They really impressed this weekend. And I don't know who the DH is. Because you want to have Farquhar's bat in every time. But you also want Brody Moore's feeling out there. You can't have both. Because if you put... Well, you can't have both unless you pull one of those DHs who... They're all playing really well. Unless you put Brody at third and keep Garrett at second, but you don't want to take Rankin out. And and unfortunately this weekend there were also two injuries with and Howell and Steven Williams. They both had, they tweaked their hamstrings. They yeah. should be back tomorrow. But you got to see some of those guys, Tyler Miller specifically, he played around in left field. He and, impressed. Yeah, he did. And then um, I believe Brody played for right field on Sunday. So what I see is so much depth. And Auburn did, did not really have that last year, and Auburn it, had their starters, but after that it kind of fell off. That's in the field and the pitching. This it's crazy to think that it could have gotten more deep than last year, but it can. So it, it this going into this weekend against a UCF team that you really really want to beat because it's your best your best uh, non conference opponent. You you want to go in and probably sweep these guys at home. So you you got them they're they're 5 and 0 or excuse me they're 4 and 1 because they lost this set in, sets in university but UCF's impressive. Yeah, UCF is a definitely an impressive non-conference opponent. Um it's somebody that Auburn like you said last year was 2 and 1 against and you know I don't know. This this will be definitely big for not only Auburn's non conference schedule but getting that experience in within non-conference play and like you said we had a lot of depth last year within the pitching this weekend could definitely be our early test for the pitching i don't know it'll be fun to see how auburn's pitching holds up this weekend against a powerful ucf team out of conference and i think we have a caller in jacob yeah we got daniel and he's calling in from helena he wants to talk about auburn baseball Daniel, how are you doing today i'm doing great how are you guys pretty good what you want to talk about with this auburn baseball team who had an impressive opening weekend well, um, the main thing I wanted to mention was I'm just really proud of our Helena guys. Like we got Richard Fist there now. I'm not sure if y'all heard or not, but um, Brody Moss, the kid who's a junior, committed to Auburn. Yeah, so actually Yeah, actually, the Helena Huskies. As a matter of fact, we're down here on the plains this past Saturday. Uh, the 6A Helena Huskies faced off against the 7A Auburn Tigers, as well as the 7A Grisham team or Grisham team, excuse me. And uh, Brody played. Brody, Brody started both games at shortstop. Um, Helena was looking good, Brody looked good as well And like you said, Richard Fitz, a Helena guy Started game three out of the four game series This past weekend, and he had a uh, Probably the best game of his collegi- collegiate career I would say. Especially as a starter Because Richard last year, he was so good as a relief pitcher Struggled a little bit as a starter But he came in, pitched five innings Only gave up two hits, three walks, and struck out seven guys Yeah, it was big So we're, yeah, we're yeah. all proud of the Helena guys We'll see what Richard's role is going forward though. Oh yeah I look forward to making the trip down this weekend. You coming down to watch the UCF game or the Tennessee basketball game? Um most likely the UCF game. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it'll be a good baseball to watch. Like we keep saying UCF is just a Auburn Auburn had their ways with them last year in Orlando like you said Jacob and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I really think it comes down to pitching cuz Jacob keeps talking about depth and I couldn't agree more and it might be one of those weekends where it kind of just comes down to a shootout. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, th- I think last year that was kind of the series where it, it was early on. Auburn looked really good, and they went to UCF and got got a little, I guess, a little a uh, 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 shot in the arm because they lost yeah. the game. It wasn't it wasn't perfect, and they realized, all right, we're not perfect. We're gonna be we're gonna have to work to get to where we want to be this year. I mean, I really think this is the year that Auburn baseball can really make some noise in Knock on wood. Knock I know, on wood. I know. I'm superstitious, but. That's, this is not, I'm not the only one saying this. And if they, can, if they can handle UCF, that gives me a lot of faith. Oh, yeah. Well, Daniel, you have three minutes left in the scoreboard. <laughs> if you have anything else you want to talk about, go right ahead, or else we're going to wrap it up here for today.
0: Um, Why don't we talk a little bit of basketball? All right, All right you want
1: to it. So, back, going back to the NBA session a little bit, I think my Pelicans are going to make a run. We're only a few games out right now, and I think we can do it. See, I, I, still, I still think it's all about Zion. What he can do, because we, we've seen what the Pelicans could do without Zion, and it, it, it was, I guess I would say, it was mediocre to good. And if Zion could come in and really be explosive, I still think he needs to find that three-point shot for the Pelicans yep. to really, really elevate themselves to that playoff spot. With that being said, they're going to be in the discussion in the last few weeks of the season. Let's, let's think about it this way. New Orleans is currently five and a half games out of eighth, eighth in the West where Memphis is sitting. I don't know what New Orleans has to do to take over that eighth spot. I mean, think about it. Memphis is a young, hungry team with Ja, Jaron, Dylan Brooks, and then you look at New Orleans. They do have Zion. They have other young pieces like Jackson Hayes, but they do have some veteran guys as well. I don't know if it's enough to push them over the top to push into the playoffs and then get beat out in the first round. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I think Jake was right. I think if they want a big chance, Zion's shot is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I agree. All right, Daniel. That's all the time we have today. We appreciate you calling in, man, and we look forward to hearing from you again sometime soon, all right? It's your War Damn. War Eagle, man. And that was Daniel from Hullion. I Always love hearing from Daniel. I didn't know he was a New Orleans guy. Yeah, he's a Saints fan, too. Okay. You well. remember he talked in and yes, yes, he yes. talked yes. about my Panthers, which that we. Rightfully so. Man, that game I won't get over that game because Joey Sly missed about a 24-yard field goal after the Saints got called for a pass in their Our house was not interview. fun that day. Oh man, I'll tell you that much. Anything else you want to say, Jacob? It's gonna be a fun weekend of Auburn sports, man. I mean, we didn't really mentioned Auburn softball; they did get beat 13 nothing today against Arizona State, number 16 team in the country. Oh but man, they're over on the West Coast playing Auburn baseball has a home series. Auburn basketball is at home. I think gymnastics is on the road. There's a lot going on this weekend. Oh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. Saturday night. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Got a lot going on this weekend. We thank you for joining the program today. Thank you, Daniel from Helena, for calling in. We always appreciate hearing from you, man. Uh, If you missed the show today... Catch it on our social media. It will be on Spotify. Search for The Scoreboard. Find me and Jacob Hillman to listen to a playback from today's show and other episodes of The Scoreboard. Until next week, thank you for listening.
0: This has been The Scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at W-E-G-L underscore A-U.